It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, good morning. So uh, last Sunday, I was on annual leave, spent my Sunday morning pottering around Marco's urban farm. Very relaxing, I can confirm. Um, And uh, the word on the street is that Rob Mason, teaching team, spoke last week, uh, suggested that we would be launching a new series this week, maybe on the character of God as the theme. But he also, I understand added his disclaimer that a lot can change in seven days. And uh, he was right, because we are not launching a new series on the character of God today. Uh, I just wasn't feeling it. And, um, and, I, and I want to just explain that, because on the surface, that might point to me as being a bit flaky, which I can assure you I'm anything but flaky. In fact, what it is, is we're committed, and I'm personally committed, to really as best as I can listen to God and His Holy Spirit what he wants us to to be leaning into and focusing on. We we could teach anything. I mean, we could make it interesting, you know, like anything. We're we're smart. But we don't teach to be interesting. We I mean, it helps to be interesting, but that's not the end game. The end game is to be helpful. Be helpful for where we're at individually, be helpful for where we're at as a church, and what does God want us to lean into and move towards as our next step? And and look, sometimes I can see that coming over the horizon weeks and months in advance, and, and, and let me tell you, that's an easier way to live. Some days or some weeks, I'm like, okay, I have to film this on Thursday, it's Monday, and I don't even know what God you want us to speak on, and it's like... Um, but, but that's how important our uh, teaching selection is. And so this series we're launching today, Change Your World in 52 Days. Now, I, this uh, number, 52 Days, I'm aware sounds oddly specific. Um, the roll-in video gave a, a little bit of a spoiler, although those of you listening on the podcast didn't get that. So uh, we'll come back to why this series is focusing around 52 days. Now, speaking of our podcast peeps, it's the beginning of the month. We like to celebrate what God's doing in the digital space from what we have here. So when we gather together here live in Perth, all that we see isn't all that there is. We have our online experience growing. Uh, just three weeks ago, uh, Kelly will appreciate this. We had a, a lovely lady from Hertfordshire who was here. If you live in England, you just add shear on the end of everything. London shear, Cornwall shear, everything's a shear. Um, uh, Essex shear. And, uh, and, uh, and she's been a part of our online family in Hertfordshire for the last two years. Um, every week, joining in our online experience. And then her daughter lives in Alexander Heights. So came to visit her daughter, brought her here, got to meet us. Didn't meet any of us before. Brilliant. Got to just love that. Um, increasingly, when I meet first-time guests here, you know, I ask them, like, why are you here? You know, like, I'm glad you're here, but tell me what's the backstory. And many times they'll say, well, yeah, we friend of mine told me about Elevate, and you know, I went on your online experience. And it's like, yeah, it's like the shop front window um, before you decide whether you're going to walk into the store. I'm sure, by the way, some people don't walk into the store, and we never meet them because uh, we're not uh, what they were looking for. But it's just great to have those kind of unique 
tools available to us in 2022. Then, of course, we've got our podcast. You know, we take our messages here from Sunday and push them out on all the major podcast platforms. And we like to celebrate some of the notable countries that have joined in the last month. So in October, check out some of the countries people joined us from were uh, Taiwan, um, Algeria. Oh, yeah, Taiwan. Leanne, that, was, I better, that better have been you. She's out in the lounge. That's fine. Someone tell her later, Errol. Why are you laughing? Gosh, you're a strange individual. Um, Algeria and Bulgaria. Hello. Now, just before we celebrate them and welcome them, uh, there's also been a bit of movement in the top three. Perennially, uh, our top three has been each month and, and, in, and the order changes. Uh, USA, uh, India, and uh, Australia. Uh, and those orders changes. This month in October, we had a new entrant to the top three. In fact, bumped up to number two, Singapore. Hello. And I like to say to my friends in Singapore, it is shock, which is English for cool, to have you with us. And by the way, just... For those of you listening from Singapore, this week, because in the morning I listened to Singapore Radio, Class 95, Muttons in the Morning, gave away a trip for two flying Qatar Business Class Airlines, which is like a hotel suite in the sky, to the World Cup, plus tickets to the World Cup, plus accommodation at the, the finest hotel in Qatar. It's a trip for two. So if the people listening via podcast, if you're the person that won that, and you haven't chosen your plus one yet, reach out to me. I'll make myself available. Anyway, let's welcome our podcast people today. It's great to have you with us on this journey together. I want to drop us into a particular moment in history where uh, enters a guy named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was of Jewish heritage and uh, he was living and working abroad due to the fact that the Jewish people had been driven into exile many years prior. I'm going to come back to that. But he found him, we find him working in the palace of the king of Persia. Now, at this moment in history, Persia had become the new superpower of the region. They toppled all of their other um, enemies and, and so on. And, and Persia was now, Persia is now Iran. Persia was now the new superpower. And Nehemiah was actually working, living and working in the palace of the king of Persia with a very specific job. He was the cupbearer to the king. Now, we probably don't have cupbearer on seek.com advertised regularly anymore, but the cupbearer, essentially their role in the palace was to sip the king's wine at wine o'clock just prior to then delivering it to the king. And I know, yeah, some of you are thinking, I like wine. This sounds like my dream job. Well, here's the thing. He wasn't a sommelier for the king. He was the potential fall guy for the king. The whole idea of that person in that role was if the wine had been poisoned surreptitiously, that the cupbearer would die, and then the king would know, I probably shouldn't drink this wine. In other words, the person in that role was considered highly expendable. 
This is not a glamorous role. Nehemiah wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. And he sure as heck wasn't the king. He was a highly expendable butler in the palace of the king. And the reason I'm double-clicking on that is we, we kind of can easily find ourselves in a cultural norm where we've assumed that the, the, the people that were the best and brightest in school or the people that won the sports carnivals or the people that in the yearbook it were voted most likely to succeed, that somehow they are the people that God preferentially chooses to do great exploits for Him. And for the rest of us, who don't tick those sorts of boxes, we maybe assume that at best we can hope for some scraps. I mean, God, at least give me something. Uh, or at worst, we get overlooked entirely. Here's what it's, is important for us to understand. God uses both. The seemingly extraordinary, nothing wrong with having gifts and using them and being a standout. In fact, that's one thing that can glorify God. God's given it to you, use it, bring your best, stop being a half. Then, at the same time, you maybe didn't win the school sports carnival or finish top in your, but God uses seemingly ordinary people as well. And if you're someone who's kind of feels you maybe fall into that second category of just a seemingly ordinary person, as we launch into this series and learn from the life and leadership of Nehemiah, please, can I encourage you, don't crop yourself out. The role model over the next four weeks was a highly expendable butler living in exile. Okay? So, let's drop into Nehemiah Chapter one, if you've got your smartphone, you can scan the flow codes, it's gonna take you there and it's gonna take you to the message version. Now, <laughs> Kaylee and I were laughing about this a few weeks ago when we, we met up. She's like, oh, I've only just realized, but by the way, tell me off later for sharing this without permission, um, that not just, but like in recent years, some of the books that are, that are named certain things weren't written by the person, they were written to the person. Well, just so you know, Kaylee, this was written by Nehemiah. Okay, so this is sort of a mini autobiography written by Nehemiah recording this incredible slice of history that he was the prominent figure in. And what we're gonna see is that Nehemiah's life and ultimately his leadership actually left a trail of breadcrumbs. They're not like steps, you know, be like Nehemiah, step one. Um, they're, they're not keys. I mean, that's, you could sort of, if, if this was the 90s, we would, call, we would have called them keys. If I was Anthony Robbins, keys. Um, but they're kind of breadcrumbs. They're like, what, what is it that Nehemiah did that I can probably learn from and then apply to my life situation and what God's calling me to do? So here's Nehemiah teeing off. It was the month of Kislev, doesn't matter, in the 20th year, also doesn't matter, at the time I was in the palace complex at Susa, now Iran, Hanani, one of my brothers, had just arrived from Judah with some fellow Jews. And I asked them about the conditions among the Jews who had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. And they told me the exile survivors 
who are left there in the province are in bad shape. Conditions are appalling. The wall of Jerusalem is still rubble. The city gates are still cinders. Now, the year is 444 BC when this conversation is taking place, okay? It's taking place in the palace. That's the HQ of the Persian Empire who is the the superpower of the region at this point in history. And that palace is located approximately 1,600 kilometers, 1,000 miles from Jerusalem. In other words, way over there. And they're talking about exiles and they're talking about the city being in bad, people are being in bad shape. And they're talking about the, the, the walls being rubble and they're talking about the gates still being cinders. So what had happened is centuries prior, the Babylonians had come in and they'd actually conquered the Jewish people in Jerusalem and then actually sent them out into exile, right? Which sounds terrible. I mean, it's happening now in Ukraine, so you don't have to kind of use your imagination too much to think, well, okay, I kind of get how that happens. The thing about this story is it's got a backstory. And the backstory is that Jerusalem was part of the land God had promised the Israelites while they were originally in captivity in Egypt. They had then made their way and taken a hold of the land God promised them. But when God promised it to them, it came with some conditions. God said, if if you continue to be my people, I'll continue to be your God and you can live in the land I'm gonna give you forever. Like it's what's called a covenant, not a contract, a covenant. Like you agree to be my people, I'm agreeing to be your God and it comes with this incredible reward. You get to live in the land I promised you. And they're like, Okay, and they did, until they didn't, until they started to lose focus on their God, until they they started to add some other gods to the mix. In, In fact, until they started to kind of take God, the God of Israel from number one, and he started to slide down the charts. And God said, all right, not cool. I don't like competition. I like number one. The covenant was you were going to put me number one. You've stopped putting me number one. It's going to come with consequences. And God ultimately allowed the Babylonians to conquer the Jewish people and send them out of Jerusalem and then effectively destroy the city, the temple, the walls, everything. This conversation took place 140 years later after the Babylonians had destroyed Jerusalem. Pretty long time for something to still be in in disrepair. Partly because the the Jewish people weren't actually allowed back into Jerusalem until the Persians ascended to power. And when the Persians ascended to power, they only allowed a remnant of the Jewish exiles to go back to Jerusalem. So this kind of makeshift, small workforce that went back to Jerusalem and they, as we say in Australia, had a go, mate. They gave it a crack. They tried to rebuild the temple, epic fail. They tried to rebuild the buildings, epic fail. They tried to re-fortify the city, 
because without the gates and the, and the walls, they will be vulnerable to just the, who's, you know, who's up next to attack us. And it's not just that they were then vulnerable because the city didn't have gates and, and it's that they were like kind of embarrassed. Like they were meant to be God's chosen people and now they're living in this kind of disgraceful conditions and, and, and they can't seem to do anything about it. They can't seem to make anything better and they were discouraged. Ever been there? Ever, ever been in a situation and you're kind of giving it a shot, you're having a go and time keeps ticking and you feel like you're not really getting anywhere? It, 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 it can actually just become discouraging. And the thing about discouragement is you become less effective. It drains you of hope. It drains you of life. It drains you of promise. It drains you that the future's ever going to get better better. And so this is the news that uh, Butler Nehemiah received from his brother and his brother's mates. And this is what Nehemiah said next. On hearing the news, Nehemiah said, what a bummer. Hey, let's go get lunch. I mean, he hadn't seen them for so long. They didn't, they weren't emailing. There was no text message, no FaceTiming back then. Like they turn up, Okay, this is fake news. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. I mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The very thing that the Jewish people had stopped doing, which put them in position to be taken over by the Babylonians and driven out of Jerusalem. Here's the first breadcrumb. Nehemiah actually allowed his heart to be vulnerable to the news. Which my semi-professional cultural observation is we can so easily, I'm not talking about anybody in particular, I'm talking about just in cultural terms, we, we just bombarded with so much stuff, we can actually just like live a little bit numb these days. And Nehemiah didn't take that posture. He allowed his heart to be vulnerable. And, and, and then he did something, having had his heart penetrated by this news. He doubled down on his focus to God. And he recorded part of the prayer that he prayed to God. And this is a big boy pants prayer, just warning you. We've troubled you, we've treated you like dirt. <laughs> it's also kind of honest prayer. God digs honest prayers. We haven't done what you told us, haven't followed your commands, and haven't respected the decisions you gave to Moses, your servant. And then, by the way, and read on or just wait. Uh, he then reminded God of the entire promise. Which, you know, takes a pair, right? To get in front of God's face and go, God, we, yeah, we failed you, but, but there was another part to this. 
And, and, and I want to remind you of that because I want to remind you of your promises because, I, because God, I trust that you actually keep your promises, but maybe we need to kind of square off whether that's even true. All the same, remember the warning you posted to your servant Moses. If you betray me, I'll scattle you to the four winds and, okay, done. But if you come back to me and do what I tell you, I'll gather up all these scattered peoples from wherever they ended up and put them back in the place I chose to mark with my name. This, my friends, is what we call restoration, okay? The promise of restoration. Failed, guilty, not disputing that. Yet, God, you, you, you added that if we kind of, you know, woke up and turned around, it's what church people call repentance, that, that you will actually restore us. See, Nehemiah, when he heard this news, he had a thought that likely some of you have had when you've heard some news that's not cool. You've thought to yourself, or maybe you've even said it out loud, this is not okay. Somebody should do something about this, right? You have to put your hands up, but I, I'm seeing nods. I'm nodding too. Call me naughty if you want. I don't mind. This is not okay. Somebody needs to do something about this. But, but, but consider this. While Nehemiah's thinking this, while he's praying about this, while he's getting all up in God's business about this, he's living in the palace of the king. Yes, he might die at the hands of a poison chalice at some point, okay, but people didn't live long in those days anyway. He's living pretty comfortably. This is taking place like 1,600 kilometers away. Like, how is this my business? He could have easily said, not my circus, not my monkeys. But he didn't. Instead, he, he had this thing, this is not okay. Somebody should do something about this. Might as well be me. Why not me? So as we tee off this series, and over the next few weeks, I, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that God's gonna actually stir up some new things for some of you, some new assignments, call you to do some things that aren't on your radar currently. Okay, so, you know, buckle up, buttercup. But before we get to that today, I wanna actually kind of have a peek in the rearview mirror briefly and encourage you, and I'm gonna ask you the question on behalf of you, to you, is there anything that you've driven past already? that God, that you have had a pretty clear idea that at the point you drove past it, God wanted you to actually do something about it and you just kept driving. Now, understand, no judgment, okay? I'm glad you're here. If that's the case, I'm glad you're here. We get, we get to pick up some of that if we choose to. 
and, and you know, you might have, if, 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 you, if you sense that some, that's you, you might have some pretty good, plausible, logical reasons for having just kind of kept on driving. I hope somebody does something about this. Like, you know, it impacted you. Uh, maybe you're like, well, I can't fix everything about that situation, so why would I even bother doing anything? Um, you know what? God, I'm kind of busy right now. Kind of like, you know, I use up all of my 24 hours. Just like everyone else. Uh, and that's going to make me a little uncomfortable. So, you know, I've kind of engineered things to avoid discomfort. So, no thanks. Or maybe you corrupt yourself out of the assignment because you actually thought yourself to be too ordinary, too inadequate, too inexperienced, too incapable. My prayer is that you actually go back and pick it up. Because here's a couple of things I know about God. <laughs> All of the reasons you didn't, God knew them before he called you. And he didn't consider them to be insurmountable. Like the challenges that are before you that cause you to say, ah, no thanks God. God actually knew they were there. And he called you anyway because he didn't see the challenges as being insurmountable. Here's the thing. If God saw the challenges before he calls us and he thought they weren't able to be overcome, then for God to then call us would be irresponsible. Because <laughs> he's just setting us up for a fail before we even begin. God's not irresponsible. If, if God, uh, you know, he saw the shortcomings that you see um, as being insurmountable, then he wouldn't have called you because calling you would have been wasteful because for the time between calling you and you fending it off because you, you didn't think you could do it or giving it a go, but you couldn't do it. Clock's been ticking all that time, but God's not wasteful. He's not irresponsible. He's not wasteful. <laughs> Though, <laughs> when he, he does call us to an assignment, it almost always comes with Discomfort on occasion, opposition on occasion, challenges on occasion, discouragement on occasion. And you'll almost certainly also experience fulfillment, joy, purpose, passion, opportunities, and deep-spirited Friendships and Nehemiah experienced all of those. More on that in the coming weeks. Let me finish 
with Nehemiah taking his next step. He, he was employed by the king and therefore under the authority of the king and therefore he couldn't just nick off. He had to seek the king's permission to be released. And in just a little uh, spoiler, you can read it for yourself this week if you want to skip ahead. Um, he also saw an opportunity to ask for the king's influence and favor and resources. Like, I know the guy might as well <laughs> get a leg up. Anyway, we'll talk about that next week. But he had to go to the king to have the king release him. But before he approached the king, He prayed. He prayed for success before the king. Not, not in the thing God called him to do, just like the, the I'm going to pray. The king says, yes, you can go. Uh, and, and we'll learn that this became, or, or, or evidently, was one of Nehemiah's superpowers, that he prayed continually. Just Praying continually. God, I need your favor here. God. So he prayed to God, make me successful today so that I get what I want from the king. So Nehemiah took the king's wine to him, having first tasted it and not died. And the king noticed that Nehemiah was a little off. Actually, it says a little depressed. Which, by the way, I don't think you're allowed to do that. Like, you're not meant to be Debbie Downer, no offense, in front of the king. I don't think it's a good career move. Do you know what I mean? Like you're meant to be bright and like lift the king's mood up, not to. Dr so this is a, this 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 burden that Nehemiah had seemingly had consumed him to a level where he just couldn't kind of hide it anymore. So he asked him, like, why are you a little depressed? And Nehemiah said, well, the city where my family is buried is in ruins and the city gates have been reduced to cinders. Well, the king then asked me, so what do you want? By the way, when a king asks you that question, I mean, hello, opportunity. He's, he's like, I might just write you a blank check. What do you want? Praying under my breath. Here we go. Again? You already prayed once that day? Gosh, talk about fanatic. To the, king, to the God of heaven, I said, if it please the king, and if the king thinks well of me, send me. Not somebody else. Not someone near. Not somebody closer. Not somebody who doesn't have the palace roof over their head every night, send me to the city where my family is buried so that I can rebuild it. So we're going on a journey. Anything that God's called you to do up to this point that maybe you didn't stop to pick up and take on that's in the rearview mirror, I don't know. I'm not even going to ask. You can tell me. That's fine. Tell someone else. Probably better. Um, but it's an opportunity, you know, and I think God sometimes allows us to circle back to say, you know, this, this, this is still on the table for you if you want this. So I'm, I, 
I want to encourage you, have your hearts open to that. And then, of course, have your hearts open to new opportunities, things that haven't come on your radar yet that God's going to drop on your radar. You know, one of the ways I define maturity, you can say, oh, how much Bible you can recite or how loud you can worship or how long your prayers are or whether you pray using the King James Version. Or My best definition of maturity is to have a short response time or a short lag time between God asking you something and you saying yes. That's how you know your kids are maturing. It's also now how you know if they're not, <laughs> if that lag time never seems to get shorter. And in fact, the ultimate destination is that we would live with the posture of saying yes to God before He's even asked us the question because we trust Him so much, because we live with a posture of obedience, because we know God's not actually going to call me to do something because He doesn't know my challenges. He doesn't know what I'm dealing with. He doesn't know what it's gonna take, and, I, and I'm not capable of that. He knows all of that. So, so living with a posture of, God, my answer's yes. Now what's the question? And then don't be surprised if He's the one that gives you the great assignments because He can trust you. To say yes. So anyway, that's a little bit of uh, bonus content. Uh, I know, it's great. Uh, le- <laughs> Let me finish. Just the beginning of the, the series, we won't highlight this every week because it'll get a little bit passe, but be- beginning of the series, let's highlight this. This is the Bible app or the icon for the Bible app, Holy Bible. Uh, and uh, several months ago, they re- released a feature in there where you can set your church, obviously Elevate Church, as my church. So all you need to do is scan this with your camera, have the app installed and, uh, and some login credentials. And uh, every Monday, we'll be uh, publishing a featured plan. So tomorrow, we'll be p- publishing a featured plan around the life and leadership of Nehemiah. And then the following Monday, this series goes for four weeks. We'll do another one and another one and another one. And really, this is just allows us, and the, and the plans run about the four days, five days, so you can kind of take a couple of days off and still finish before next Sunday. But really, this is just about taking a deeper dive. This is about, you know, not just checking the, I listened to Mark for 30 minutes on a Sunday and survived. It's like, uh, it's like God, you know, here I am, sipping my coffee on a Monday, is there something more you can show me here? Here I am, I've just finished work, I'm on the commute home, I'm gonna take my five minutes. God, is there something you can reveal to me that's gonna, and it just positions you. Um, and I do, I do, I'm in, I'm doing them every week myself because I'm, I'm, I'm praying the same prayers and asking the same questions that you guys are asking. God, I wanna be someone who is saying yes to you and, and then you ask me the question and I have a short response time. So anyway, there's that. All right, Louis. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.